a proposal that would allow pharmacists to administer babies' six-week and three-month vaccinations is drawing mixed opinions from doctors. Te Whataora and Pharmac's joint plan would mean families who don't have access to a general practice could visit a pharmacy for several funded vaccines. It includes the immunisations for tetanus, polio, rotavirus, hepatitis B and varicella, chickenpox. These are generally covered in babies' six-week and three-month vaccinations at a primary practice. It's a bit to bolster vaccination rates among children which have been declining in recent years. Fano Afina Plunkett says it supports any initiative which makes it easier for Fano to access vaccination services. But there are concerns within primary care. Dr Angus Chambers is chair of GenPro, the General Practice Owners Association. Kia ora. Well, here Angus's uh, and the um, GP's concerns in a moment. But first, Tafata Ora National Public Health Service National Director is Dr. Nick Chamberlain. Kia ora, Nick. Kia ora, Catherine. Just at the outset, could you specifically explain what is uh, proposed, please? Yes. Uh, so we're proposing that. Uh, um, and we're working with Pharmac on this, uh, for them to remove the restriction uh, on pharmacy ordering all childhood immunisations and vaccines. So that's a broader range than you just mentioned. It is uh, across the board, the childhood uh, vaccinations schedule, which includes diphtheria, pertussis, uh, tetanus and polio and a number of other vaccines as well, uh, rotavirus, etc. So it's the whole of the schedule. Currently, pharmacies can uh, uh, administer some of those vaccines that you've already mentioned, and that was consulted on in August. So, But the big difference is this is for young infants uh, from six weeks, three-month, five-month vaccinations, 12-month vaccinations, and we're proposing uh, to lift those restrictions for pharmacies, and we're also uh, proposing to provide a training program for them and for other uh, um, uh, health professionals yeah. such as public health nurses. Und- understood. I guess the immediate focus is on that very young age group. To put yes. it bluntly, it's yes. the first chance for a fully qualified medical professional, doctor and or nurse, uh, to have contact. And that is perhaps what we're going to discuss in, in, in a moment with yes. Nick and to build a relationship. But could you just be specific? Would this just be as a backup if, you do, if you're not enrolled with a GP or is it just open open book now? You, you can go, as I do these days for my flu and my COVID vaccine, I don't go to my doctor, I go to the local chemist and walk in at lunchtime. Now, is this open, open slather now, if you like, or is there an attempt to make it a backup where there's no connection with a GP? Absolutely, the latter. So it is an attempt to make a backup. Of course, we can't restrict or stop any any parent from getting their child immunised at a pharmacy. The preferred location for all childhood immunisations is general practice because of the continuity of care. It also aligns well with the six-week check. But the reality is 17% of our population, our children, 2,700, are missing um, at 24 months, uh, a full vaccination program. And and actually, even within general practice, um, a, a large number, 23%, so that's approximately 3,400, are actually not 
are receiving a six-week check on time and are not enrolled uh, with general practice. So we do see utilising pharmacy as an opportunity to get um, uh, young children back into and into the system and engaged with general right. practice as well. Okay, that's... I completely understand, and, and, and we all know um, how difficult it is to, to connect with a GP, uh, and that's another matter, and it's perhaps also what's playing into their minds at the moment as they consider the future of general practice and perhaps see this as yet another potential disconnect between GP and family or whanau, right? So let's park that. So I, I completely understand that where that opportunity is not there, the vaccination and getting the vaccination done is the priority. But there's really nothing to stop anyone choosing to go to the pharmacist instead of their GP uh, under this proposal, yeah? That's correct. And as you said, it is a proposal and we are hearing a lot of uh, feedback about that. And we've also engaged with the sector and are very aware of that. So we are making sure that there are pathways that pharmacists will adhere to to encourage um, those babies back into general practice or to continue with that. So put it, put it, just, uh, to, just to stay with the technicality, if someone goes uh, to get the vaccine, they'll have their national health number, uh, and we're talking about yes. you know a potentially a six-week-old baby here, right? The um, uh, caregiver will, 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 the baby will have a national health number. If it is seen that that family or whanau is enrolled with a GP, Will the pharmacist say you should go to your GP or will they just do the vaccination? Yeah, look, good question. And I I really think that the pharmacist should do the vaccination because the chances are... Just get it done. Get um, it done is your view. Next question. Is there any... Sorry, I'm going to come back and give you a full run, Nick. I just want to get the the facts out before Mm. we talk to Angus. Is there any financial differential... uh, and forget transport or something like that, but is there any financial differential uh, in going to the GP over the pharmacist? Is there a cost you would incur other than indirect costs, or is it exactly the same? It's uh, from from either the from the patient and whanau's point of view, it's free. And, and from the GP and pharmacist's point of view, the vaccination payment is the same. Now, general practice has also the additional responsibility of holding the register, of recalling, and we are looking at how we can support general practice further with with that process because they they are still the provide the majority of our vaccinations. 87% of vaccinations are performed in general practice, and we desperately don't want to see that drop off. Well, that's possibly what the concern is, whilst Mm, everyone wants to plug gaps in access. Mm. Okay, thank you. I'll come back to you. Uh, Dr Angus Chambers, can we bring you in, please? Uh, He is, as I said, Chair of GenPro, the General Practice Owners Association. How important are those six-week and three-month immunisations? We're also hearing this would extend to five- and 12-month vaccinations. Older children, it's already possible, if I've heard correctly. But just how important are those six week and three week immun- uh, three month immunizations for babies, Angus, uh, and not just for getting the vaccination, for general checks between GP and um, Fano family. Yeah, thanks, Catherine. Well, they're absolutely vital. Uh, and the immunisation service we provide is actually so much more than just providing an immunisation, as you've just alluded to. Um, 
uh, getting getting people started at, at six weeks is 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 really key. Um, it's an incredibly vulnerable time for the you know probably the most vulnerable citizen in our society with anxious parents, and it's it's a very very skilled job. I just like to uh, add, you, you've mentioned doctors. Uh, uh, being concerned about this, so, it's uh, nurses uh, too. Yeah. Nurses, absolutely. Yeah. And, and is it normally uh, done by nurses? Can you just ex- just just 100%. talk through what would happen typically in a practice? Well, it actually starts at enrolment, which is, of course is another aspect of this this whole whole uh, proposal. But once you enrol, you 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 get the patient's uh, details and you schedule all of these things. And if it's either at birth or whatever life stage they're at, you, you schedule them. And um, then many many practices will actually do what we call pre-call, which is contact them before the event is due. And then uh, if they don't come, they recall. And you know we, we'll I'm sure get on to the work that's involved in in operating an immunisation service rather than just giving a vaccine. Um, and then at these six-week, uh, three-month, five-month, you know, onwards, the, the, the relationship is developed. Um, it's, it's, there's a lot about child health in there, uh, child development, but there's also about the, the family health, maternal and especially, and it's a time to link in with the uh, mother and father who often hasn't engaged with the health system quite, quite that much because they're, they're, they've been relatively young and healthy, and this is a, another kind of life stage for them. And the relationship develops over those series of vaccinations. And you know, we, I've mentioned mental health, but there's family violence, and it's very hard to uh, raise issues of family violence uh, in a, when you haven't developed a relationship. So, you know, there's, there's, there's uh, opportunities to uh, intervene with screening, uh, uh, you know, for, for, the, for the family and actually other, other children who are on your register who might not have So it's an important contact. How, how long would the nurse be with parent and child um, typically when they come for these first vaccinations? How long would they spend with them? So, so our, our clinic, and our, our, from what I've heard, it's pretty uh, common, we, we would schedule 45 minutes for a six-week immunisation, and it involves more than just one nurse. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it, it, one of the troubles for the failing system is that it's so underfunded. We, we deliver eight disease uh, vaccinations at that six-week check for the same amount of money that someone gets for delivering one for COVID vaccination, which takes two or three minutes. It's, it's Okay, so what else underfunded. happens in the 45 minutes, and who else is involved? Well, you know, there's a whole process of, you know, involved in the cold chain and then the checking of vaccinations to make sure you've got it right. So it's, it's, there'll, there'll be two nurses involved. There'll be doctor backup on site by and large or nurse practitioner sometimes in case there's an adverse event uh, and also advice around the, the, the health issues around the child or the, the mother. And, and then the nurse goes through and the consenting process for eight vaccines that uh, children have never had before is pr- quite, uh, quite, quite involved. There's a lot of explanation and it's, it needs to be done very 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 sensitively. What are your concerns? If this is targeting the 15% of vaccinations not done in... um, Actually, that's not an issue. For 15% of being done elsewhere, well and good. But if this is targeting the growing proportion of babies who are not having these vaccinations, what what do you believe should happen? Are, are you concerned that it will, it, it may improve those statistics, but see more people enrolled with a GP not come to the GP? What What are the concerns when we already have a problem, which is falling vaccination rates? Well, about ten years ago, we had ninety five percent vaccination rates, give or take, and. So you've actually got to look at what's the behind it all, and. It, 
were pharmacists back then weren't vaccinating. There were doctors and, and uh, general practice services providing it back then. So something has changed, and it's not really about the availability of vaccinators, although I, I have to say there is some is of Is it about yeah. not being able to get an enrolment with a GP or afford general practice services? I appreciate the service is free. But there's a growing number of people who simply do not have access to a GP. Well, that's right. And the benefits of enrolment are very well established through um, research and uh, evaluation. So, you know, we think this is an opportunity to invest to improve vaccination, but also enhance the whole thing by diverting this investment to different places. And we we do believe that enrolling in GP is vital for the uh, health of uh, individuals, but also for population health, and yet that's being undermined at the moment. Um, and look, it's quite ironic. You, you're well aware of the the, the Tafarawa valuing secondary care nurses higher than primary care nurses, which is actually stripping us of our vaccination workforce. So this this is going to undermine it further because we've already had centres approached by pharmacists saying, "Oh, can we employ your nurses? We want to invo- uh, uh, to pr- provide a vaccination service." Now this is uh, undermining the whole. Uh, principle of, of you know uh, holistic vaccination service that uh, that is vital for our, the health of our community so you see a growing role that pharmacies will take on a growing role rather than being a backup that's the concern Absolutely. And, you know, what we also see is that there's an 80-20 rule here. You you make 80% of your effort to get the 20% of people who are hard to get. And all, all of the people who are, you know, relatively motivated and, and uh, uh, you know, intent on getting their vaccination don't have to make that much effort for. So for, for an unfunded service, you can actually have to spend a lot more time without actually getting the people through who are actually easy to do. So it's just going to get harder and harder and undermine our service further. Okay, let's come back to Dr Nick Chamberlain. Do you take on board some of those concerns? Is there a way to mitigate them? Yeah, Catherine and Angus, I, I mean, I'm very aware of those concerns. I absolutely, uh, and we, we prior to the consultation, had met with general practice leadership and PHOs. I mean, the, the issue is that if we don't do something different, and, and Angus has proposed something, and it's around fixing the whole of general practice. This is about purely about immunisation. And unfortunately, it would be nice if we could wrap the whole package together. But but really, I'm just focused on immunisation. If we don't do something, we're going to have another measles outbreak. We've had 20 cases in the last year that we've managed to fight off and prevent a, a measles outbreak. But millions and millions have been spent on that. And actually, we are at significant risk. Last time we had a measles outbreak in 2019, there were 2,000 cases, 600 hospitalizations, 80 deaths in Samoa. Vaccination and immunization is very, very safe, very, very safe, very, very effective. The most cost-effective intervention that health the health system's ever designed. And so we have to actually broaden the number of vaccinators. The evidence does show that is one of the issues. COVID has had a big impact. It's caused confusion. It's caused lack of confidence in immunisation, which is that childhood immunisations are incredibly safe. And it's and it's caused some complacency that they don't need but to vaccinate. But isn't that better so addressed by one. doctors and nurses than by and, a pharmacist absolutely. where you walk in and walk out? Doesn't that undermine the doubts that people might have about vaccination. 
actually, one could argue that it actually says to people that they're very safe. Um, so, uh, you know, an immunisation is very safe. And anaphylaxis from immunisation, incredibly rare, incredibly rare. And we've looked at the data on that. So actually, we're going to train these uh, pharmacists. And I agree with all the points Angus has made. Can't fix some of those overnight. If you train the pharmacists, do you also anticipate that they will hire nursing staff? Well, that's what I was going to raise. I think that will reduce that risk because they are pharmacists are able to vaccinate. That's what currently nurses, they have pharmacies, some pharmacies are bringing in nurses. And let's also realise this is not going to be a panacea and it's only one of about 54 recommendations that we had in the Immunisation Task Force report. It is only one of a large number of initiatives to uh, to lift our immunisation I, I understand rate. that and I appreciate that. Yeah. But what primary practice is possibly feeling right now is that it's yet another way that its role is being downgraded or undermined in conjunction with the funding involved for providing an entire primary care service, not just one element of it. That's the concern I think we are hearing. Yeah, understood. We are looking at what can we do to, one, support much greater uh, enrolment at six weeks. That's another quarter of the babies who aren't enrolled at six weeks at the moment that we could get back into general practice to support that. And that's a significant issue. We do need general practice to be open to enrolling babies. And, and in some cases, in some places, it's not. We want to focus on high need regions, lower vaccination rate regions, Northland, Tarawhiti, Waikato, Tamanuataki as a whole, as a region. We want to focus more on those areas rather than on, say, central cities where they've but got there's high nothing, there's, there's, there's well. nothing really to prevent someone enrolled with uh, GP to take this route if they so choose. Okay. Could we just clarify to finish, um, just clarify the, the change here. Older children can already be vaccinated by uh, a pharmacist. The change here is to the six week, three month, five month, twelve month. Is that correct, Nick? Uh, and and fifteen months. Right. So at the moment, pharmacists are restricted to only older children. So it's now allowing all of the from infant through. That's the proposal. At the, current, at the current at the current yeah. at the current situation, at what age can pharmacists do pharmacies? What age for, uh, do vaccinations? What age from? Over three. Over three. Okay. And for those very young babies, six weeks, three me- three months, what immunisation will they get at that age, please, just for facts? Uh, they'll get the full um, immunisation schedule for three months and five months. Angus would be better at that. Angus, what vaccinations will those babies get at that very young age? Well, how much time have you got, Catherine? But um, six weeks, you'd have rotavirus, you'd have diphtheria, tetanus, whooping cough, polio, hepatitis B, haemophilus, um, and pneumococcus. Um, at three months, um, you get the, most of those in a meningococcal B. Um, and uh, once you get to the year, year, you're adding in measles, mumps, rubella. So yeah, a, 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 a significant number of diseases are vaccinated against. All right. Catherine, I just wanted to say, just so that, People who are listening aren't scared off. Not every one of those is a single injection. You know, Angus is right that it's a lot of uh, immunisation and and a lot of vaccines, but they are combined. All right. What happens with the proposal from now? 
So uh, the consultation closed on the 29th of January, and we're considering that, really considering it. I don't think from our previous engagement that we've seen too many more uh, surprises. I knew that this would be contentious. I really am a huge supporter of general practice, so I do not want this to um, damage those relationships and, and reduce continuity of care and the opportunities for general practice. I'm, we're looking at how can we, if it does go through, how can we design a system which actually supports general practice? Do you have a view on Angus? Uh, do you have a view at this point, Angus, on if it does proceed, how it could support general practice? Uh, well, I think all of the concerns that Nick just raised then are, are likely to come uh, to pass. This is just, you know, there's, there's an element of this is a get-rich-quick scream for, 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 for health. It's just, I, I don't, we don't believe it's going to uh, produce the results that Nick would hope. We do believe that the adverse outcomes that he's just mentioned are more likely, and we think the investment would be much better made in different areas, including outreach, which is very poorly uh, resourced at the moment, as well as our general practice teams uh, to service delivery. OK, we'll leave you to keep discussing it. We'll keep tabs on, on uh, what happens. Thank you both very much for the input, Dr Nick Chamberlain, Dr Angus Chambers.